I do believe that. I do believe that with God all things are possible. My head's so full of stuff right now. Um, I want to read you just a passage. I want to get right into the passage. My head's full of stuff, and then I just want to uh, speak to the Lord real quickly. Um, but I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 17, and we'll start with verse 19. Matthew 17 and verse 19. I'm just going to read to the end of the chapter. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. In verse 24, it says this, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He said, Yes. I love that answer. And when he was coming to the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon? Of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free. Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast a hook, take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take and give unto them for me and thee. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you... Control my thoughts this morning, Lord. You know, I have so many things going through my head. I ask, Lord, that you will fill my heart with the thoughts that you would have me to have today. Help me to say the things that would honor you. Father, we do believe that all things are possible with you. And, Father, we ask that you will uh, direct us now as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love this story. Um, it's simple. It's straightforward. Uh, it but it's really full of a lot of things. It's practical. It's another fish story. I love the fish stories in the scripture. There are a lot of them. Um, my head is so full, though. I've been thinking this uh, for several weeks now. I was thinking through it last night, and I was dreaming. I had this dream about catching a fish. And I, I, I really I didn't even know that I was really fishing. You know how dreams go. Sometimes you just sort of pop into the middle of that. So I was standing at alongside this pier, and I had a fishing pole, and other people were fishing and talking to me. And one of them said, "Pull you, pull you, uh, pull the pole up." So I did, and I had a huge fish on the line, a huge fish, and it was swimming back and forth. And and I'm thinking the next thing I need to do, I just need a net. I said, "So I said, anybody got a net?" And the lady that was there, she said, oh, don't worry about that. We've got a generator. We've got a TV crew. And you have a no pizza clause in your contract. <laughs> I have no idea what any of that had to do with fishing. But uh, I used to tell a story about 
Uh, I tell it to the kids at school how I would go fishing and I would, uh, I went bass fishing just this week. Had a little boy come to school in the fourth, fifth grade over there, came to school with a tackle box. He said, let me tell you something. That's awesome right there. I said, is it for show and tell? He said, no. He said, on my birthday, we're going bass fishing. I said, man, that's a good birthday there. He said, I just want to make sure I want to show everybody what I got. Just make sure if I need to get some more. We'll be ready to catch bass. (laughs) I said, that's my kind of coming to school day right there. But I used to tell the story about how I hooked this seven pound, eight ounce bass, huge bass. And I was, and as I hooked that thing, I threw it right to where I knew I I spotted it. I felt like it should be there. I threw that lure over there and boom, that guy jumped through the water, hit that thing, huge fish. I'm pulling him in. I get him up close to the boat. He goes under the boat, seven pounds, eight ounces. And he comes back. I pull him back out. He goes to the back of the boat. I pull him back around. I mean, we did this for about 20 minutes, seven pounds, eight ounce, big old fish, got him real close. And the last time he went under the boat, broke my line, took my hook and took off. Yeah, I know. They said, how do you know? He weighed seven pounds, eight ounces. I said, look at his scales. Of course, right? So, so, as I look at the fish stories in the scripture, we have fish so big that they can swallow a person. We couldn't, we consider that a, an amazing miracle. We have fish stories where, um, a net was full of fishes and it was breaking the net. We have, Fish stories where Jesus took a few fish, broke it, and fed 5,000. We have fish stories where on one occasion, Jesus told them to fish on the other side of the boat. They threw the net over there, and they caught 153 fish. That's what I say. Whoa! 153 fish. And they specifically said 153. That's in the Gospel of John. John says... That if I were to tell you all the stories that our master did, that Jesus did, we don't have, the world doesn't have enough books to hold all the truth of what he did. But 153 is pretty interesting. If you go and look through the gospel that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see that there were 153 specific individuals that Jesus did something for. That's pretty cool. So now I have a little fish story. I have a little fish story of a little fish with a little coin in its mouth. But really, it's at the end of a chapter. It's This is a story that, if it was Aesop's fables, the moral of the story would be simple. If you owe taxes, go fishing. (laughs) But it's not Aesop's fable. It is a story that comes directly from the mind of God for a people... 2,000 years removed from when it happened. Now, so what I want to look at, I love this story because it's not a myth. It's not a fable. This is a story not just about a little fish, but it's about deity. It's about humanity. It's a story about sovereignty and authority. It's a story about providence. It's a story about inspiration. It's about trust and provision. It's about meekness and humility. It's about obedience. It's about moving forward in faith. There are some commentators, if you read after them, they'll say, this really isn't a miracle. 
And they say it's not a miracle because all it does, it tells us what Jesus told Peter to do. But it doesn't tell us the end result. He says to Peter, go cast a hook, take up the fish, open his mouth, take out the money, go give it to them for me and thee. And they said, it doesn't tell us how it ends. Well, let me tell you how it ends, because I know. I know when Jesus told the disciples, we're going to cross over to the other side. They ran into a storm in the middle of the night, and they thought they were going to die. And you know what they did? They made it to the other side. Let me just tell you, if Jesus said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So what he says here, he says, Peter, go cast a hook. It's interesting about the hook, too. But he threw the hook out there, and he took one fish, one fish with one coin in its mouth, and the coin was equal to the temple tax for both Peter and Jesus. That's what happened. Peter understood that the man I'm talking with is the very Son of God. So I want to take you back just a little bit. I want to take you back. Here we are in uh, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew 16, in verse 16, Peter makes this statement. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed it. He knew it. Jesus said, man didn't uh, reveal that to you. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. God revealed it to you. Matthew chapter 17, we get to the very beginning of it. I cannot look at the, uh, I cannot look at this entire chapter and see the, see the end of a fish story without looking at the beginning of it. At the beginning of it, we have Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, and he climbs up to a high mountain. And on that high mountain, he is transformed. He is transfigured. He is changed. And there in the clouds that meet him, Moses and Elijah, and the people those three, those three men were there, and they were so amazed, Peter just speaks. He said, look, this is like awesome. This is a, uh, a spiritual experience and like none other. He said, let's just build three tabernacles here. Let's build three tents and just stay here. You know what? That's what you and I want to do when it comes to uh, spiritual experiences. Those mountaintop experiences, we just want to stay there. But I'll tell you what happened is that they had to leave that experience. They had to go down to the to the valley again, go down to the foot of the mountain. And when they got to the foot of the mountain, that's where the devil was doing all his work. Talk about that in just a second. They saw Moses and Elijah talking to Jesus. Peter says, hey, let's just stay here. And the voice from heaven, they heard the voice of God, said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye him. Will you just listen to Jesus? There's some good stuff here. So they heard this truth. They heard Jesus explain the connection between Elijah and John the Baptist. We see that they went on to discuss the truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they were very sorry about all that. Their emotions were getting involved in all this. So they get to the foot of the mountain, and there they see the other disciples completely unable to have any power against Satan, any power against the devil at all. We were unable. And Jesus comes here, and he says, oh, you're a faithless and perverse generation. Mark chapter 9, 
tells the same story. And, he, and Jesus asked the father of this young man, he said, do you believe? He said, if you believe, all things are possible if you believe. And this guy, he was as honest as anyone in Scripture. He says, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I don't know if you have ever been there where you know God can do all things. But exercising that faith just is a challenge. Well, they saw all this. They saw Jesus have the power over the devil. They saw Jesus transformed. They saw, uh, they heard the voice of God himself speak to them. They fell on their face. Jesus touched them and he raised them up again and said, don't be afraid. And then we get to this situation when they wanted to know, why couldn't we do anything? And Jesus says, because you're unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Now, I want to show you three things that are tied together in this particular passage. I want you to understand the fear that the disciples were experiencing. Men that believed Jesus Christ was who he said he was. But I want, you, I want to show you their fear. And then I want to show you the fact that Jesus made it very clear that through faith all things would be possible. And then I want you to, I want to show you that nothing is impossible if you fully depend, if you fully depend on God to meet your needs, even if it's a fish. I want to, again, my thoughts are everywhere, so I want to tell you this. The tax is 35 cents. That's what it was. It's about 35 cents. This wasn't the tax from the government. This was the temple tax. And what Jesus did, he provided a coin, a stator, that was worth 70 cents in that fish's mouth. It wasn't a treasure. It was enough to meet the need right now. So, so this is where we're going to start. This is a story, it's an unusual story, that it talks about specifics that are not spoken of anywhere else in Scripture. But I also find it interesting that it's a story about a tax told by a tax collector that is paid by a fisherman that caught a fish. Let me just tell you something. This is sort of significant to the whole story because what this does, the tax collector telling the story about a tax, about a fisherman that caught a fish, maybe you don't think it's that important, but it puts you in the story. It puts me in the story. It puts me in the position that what God expects from me is to do what I'm doing for him. So we'll get there in a minute, maybe. But I want, to, I want you to consider this fear. Nothing's impossible if you let Christ alleviate your fears. Nothing is impossible if you allow Christ to alleviate your fears. He said, arise and be not afraid. What were they afraid of? 
This is a spiritual experience that was unbelievable to them. They were seeing holy men from the past in the clouds with Jesus that had been transformed from his normal uh, human uh, condition and was appearing in his glory in Moses and Elijah. And they were just overwhelmed. Sometimes we can have overwhelming spiritual experiences. And it brings us to an understanding of really who we are. And when Peter spoke, when Peter said, hey, let's just stay here, it sounds like a good idea to most of us because we want to be where the blessing is. But Jesus wanted him to know, and God the Father wanted him to know, it wasn't about being where the blessing is, but it's taking the blessing to wherever you are. And this is what he wanted him to understand. And the father spoke and said, this is my beloved son. Just be quiet and listen to him. Peter has an amazing way of revealing our humanity to us. He says, hey, let's just stay here. And God says, no, this is not it. You're going to find out that what I want from you is not to stay here in Jerusalem or Judea, or Samaria, but I want you to go to those places into the uttermost. Peter's understanding was still limited, but God the Father said, listen to my son and do what he tells you to do. You see, when we find this, what happened next was they heard the voice of God and they fell on their face and they could not move. And they were afraid, so afraid. And Jesus comes up, and Jesus touches them. And they looked up, and their fear was gone. The vision was gone. The Moses and Elijah were gone. Just Jesus was with them. How do you allow Christ to alleviate your fears? Well, Many of the times our fears are grounded in the earthly things. I'm not going to have enough food. I'm not going to have enough money to do this. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to have that. But sometimes they are a result of uncertainty of how our spiritual experience is going to impact us. And when they heard the voice of God, they didn't know what to happen. They could have been thinking, man, we're going to die right here. But... They needed to just rest in the touch of Christ. He touched them, said, don't be afraid anymore, because what I want from you will take you to places that you cannot imagine. What I expect from you, what I want from you, is not just being able to take care of the temporal, but the spiritual issues that you're going to deal with. He said, you are going to be world changers. Not just fishermen, not just fishers of men, but you're going to be world changers. I can tell you when God puts a vision and when God puts something on your heart that is bigger than you can even imagine, I'm just telling you sometimes it creates some fear within us as believers. Does it not? If you've never been in that place, I'm asking that you pray that God will put you there. I'm praying that you will pray that this thing that you have directed me to is so big that I'm completely confident that I cannot do it and I will fail if I try on my own. I want you to believe it. 
I want you to believe that all things are possible, not just, not just the things that will benefit us on a temporal basis, but all things are possible when God's people embrace the power that is in Jesus Christ. Fear. I know good Christians. I know good Christians that bail on good ministries because of fear. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about people that just say, you know, this is, this is too big for us. And bless God, it's too big for us. I'm thankful that the things that God wants his people to do are too big for us. Because if they weren't, we would try to do it on our own. I'm telling you, nothing is impossible with God. Let him alleviate your fears and just rest in his presence and rest in his power. And you can see God do amazing things. So then we go on. He get, they get from the Mount of Transfiguration, which is one of the great spiritual experiences documented in Scripture. Peter talks about it in Second Peter. He said, look, I was there. He said, I was there and I saw it all. He said, well, let me tell you something else. I have something more important and better than that. More important than my experience, I have the Word of God now. I hope you believe that too. That the Word of God is more important than any experience that you have. And what took place next, he, the disciples were like, man, we tried. We tried to cast this demon out, and we couldn't do it. These are the rest of the disciples. Peter, James, and John were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. The rest of them were down here in the valley where the issues are. And this father brought this, his boy to him and said, can you do something? And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to cast this demon out. How dare they? Oh, wait a minute. What they wanted to do was a good thing that God would honor. But they were unable to do it. You see, doing good things apart from the power of God allows you allows you to do nothing. You can't do anything apart from the power of God. So they got alone. Jesus took care of the situation like only Jesus can. And they come to him and said, look, we don't understand. He said, why couldn't we do it? He said, because you're unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Now, he, he initially he told the whole crowd as a faithless and perverse generation, but here he says, it's your unbelief. I know, I know that there are some times in my life, in my ministry, that I failed to accomplish certain things, not because I didn't believe God was capable of dealing with it, but I wasn't confident that he would. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because of my unbelief, I found myself having to get to a place saying, Lord, I believe, but I need your help in my unbelief. I need it. So Jesus makes this statement. If you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, I was looking at mustard seed. I am on this crazy diet that Scott Lawson talked me into doing. And one of the things that I can have is mustard seed. It's like, 
What a blessing that is. So I'm looking at all these things that mustard seed's good for. Man, that's good for all kinds of stuff. I used to say all the time that uh, whenever I started feeling bad, Angela would usually diagnose me herself. Before I ever went to a doctor, uh, she would diagnose me as, and most of the time, it was the most serious thing you could think of with my symptoms. Right? But then, she'd give me something and cure me. So that was even better. So, um, But I'm looking at this mustard seed, and I started thinking about all the things that it was good for. And Jesus used it as a comparison to say, you know what? If your faith was like that, you can move mountains. See, Jesus condemned faithlessness, but he didn't condemn little faith. Exercise it. Exercise faith. Scripture says that he's given every one of us a measure of faith. Exercise what you have, and you will see God do amazing things with it. Well, nothing is impossible if Christ is the object of your faith. If Christ is the object of your faith. Very nice chair. I sit in it because I have faith. I believe that this chair will hold me up. I saw it hold other people up, so I figured it'd hold me too. So I sit in this chair because I believe it will hold me up. So what's holding me up? My faith? Nope. It's not my faith. My faith just lets me sit in the chair. But what's holding me up is the chair. Is it right? The chair is what's holding me up. So what makes the difference is not my faith near as much as the object of my faith. So when I believe that Christ is my all in all, and I am all in on that, when Christ is my all in all, what I believe about him and through him changes everything. And this is where we get to the last part of the story. The last part of the story doesn't deal with all the spiritual things. The last part of the story doesn't deal with the transfiguration. It doesn't deal with the resurrection. It doesn't deal with all these spiritual truths that are important for us as believers. It deals with the normal, everyday routine of mankind. They go into Capernaum, and the folks that collect the temple tax came up to Peter. And this is how he says it. They say, does not your master pay the temple tax? I like that. Does not your master pay the temple tax? And Peter says, in his, in his very impulsive way, he says, yes. Does he not pay the tax? Yes. It was unclear what he was actually meaning. Does he mean, yes, he does not pay it, or yes, he does pay it? But I look at Peter's impulsiveness, and you know what? I'm okay with it. You know why? Jesus just told him, said, I'm going to be betrayed, and they're going to take me. Men are going to take me, and they're going to kill me. And Peter might be thinking, 
you know what? Maybe this is it. Maybe if he doesn't pay the, if he doesn't pay his 35 cents, they may take him now. So Peter just says, yes. But what I know about Peter, he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He believed that whatever Jesus did was right. Do you believe it? Do you believe that whatever Jesus does is right? If you don't believe it, that will be life-changing for you. One of the things that he asked the question then, he says, Peter, before Peter could even tell him about people asking about it, Scripture says he prevented him, or he anticipated what Peter was going to tell him. He says, Peter, he said, who do the men of the earth, who do the kings of the earth collect taxes from, their own people or strangers? He said, strangers, of course. You know, Jesus said, he said, then the children are free. The children are free. And what he's saying in this is not a matter. The, the Jewish people asking the question asked the wrong question. They said, does Jesus need to obey the law? And Jesus says, I'm the king of the law. I'm the king of the temple. I don't need to pay the temple tax. I'm the king of this universe. I don't need to pay the temple tax. But so that I don't offend anybody, I'll do it. Now, this is what this, is what this whole thing is about now. This is what this chapter is summarized by this little fish. He says, look. I'm not obligated to this tax. But I want you to understand, Peter, who I am. You said I was the son of the living God. And I want you to understand, by what I'm going to tell you next, that you can count on this is who I am. I am the omniscient son of God. I am God himself in the flesh. He says, you go take a hook, throw it into the lake. Just throw it in there. And you're going to catch a fish. Not a pile of fish, not a net, not a mess of fish. You're going to catch one fish. Probably not a very big fish. Let me just tell you something. Big fish are not the only way God makes miracles. He can do miracles with little fish, with little things. So he says you go take up the first fish you catch, and you open up his mouth. And let me tell you what Jesus did not do. He did not create a coin inside the fish. What he did, he called a fish that already had a coin in his mouth. This fish swallowed this coin, and he called the fish to the hook. The omniscient, omnipotent God of all creation worked on the behalf of one of his disciples in need. He says, believe me for my omniscience and believe me for my omnipotence and believe me that I am the sovereign God, that none of your problems surprise me at all. He says, fishermen, go fish. Go catch this fish. And I want you to depend on the God that is ever gracious. And I want you to depend upon the God that is ever kind 
And I want you to depend upon the God that is ever meek. And I want you to follow this example as you step out by faith. So how did the story end? Well, we don't have it. Yes, I do. I told you the end already. Peter went and caught a fish, took the corn out of his mouth, paid the taxes, because that's what Jesus said would happen. So that's what happened. He paid it for him and for Peter. Now, let me tell you something about paying that debt. First, it was a debt that Jesus didn't know. But it was a debt that Peter owed. And Jesus took care of Peter's debt, too. Hey, does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? That's what happened with me. Jesus paid a debt that he didn't know. And I owed a debt that I couldn't pay. And Jesus took care of my debt at the same time that he paid his debt. It's just a fish story. It's just about a fish. No, it's not. It's about you. So let me tell you what you do. When churches, schools, ministries, mission agencies, whatever it is, when we face challenges, what does Christ desire from his people? Well, one thing was he wanted a tax collector to tell a story about a tax. Another thing he wanted was a fisherman to go catch a fish. Maybe what he wants from us, when churches face challenges, when schools face these same challenges as well, when ministries are failing and all these different things going on, he says, look, don't be afraid. Trust me, the God of creation. In faith, move forward. Trust me. Don't be afraid in these difficult times. Fully depend on on the one that can meet all your needs. So you know what he wants? He wants preachers to preach without fear. In faith, fully dependent upon where God's taken them. He wants teachers to teach without fear. Fully dependent upon God and where he's taken you. He wants businessmen to do business and not be afraid in faith, fully dependent on the omniscient, omnipotent God of this universe. He wants you to be free. And you can only be free in ministry. You can only be free. You know, I was thinking about families. Man, when families struggle, you know what he wants? He wants dads to be dad. He wants them to follow the example of our Heavenly Father. He wants them to, without fear, do what dad should do. He wants them to, in faith, trust God with their family. He wants them to fully depend upon God, depend upon the one that can meet all of our needs. He wants dads to be dad. He wants moms to be moms. He wants, he's not calling us to do things that we're incapable of doing. He's putting us in positions to do what we do for his glory. And I'm telling you, when that happens, 
All God's people can shout glory. All God's people can see a work of God that only God can get credit for. The disciples had seen Jesus tell them to throw the net out, and they caught bunches of fish. They had seen the fishes and the loaves. They'd seen all that. But this time he says, I want to show you something specific. Take one hook, one cast, one fish, one coin, and I will do miraculous things with it. God wants to do something with you. Don't be afraid. Sometimes the spiritual experience and the calling that he's put on our lives seems to be overwhelming. But don't be afraid because he's called you to help people be free. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ wants you free. Wants you free. Not bound by the law. And nothing is impossible with God. I believe it. I hope you do. Father, we ask that you bless your word. You know, Lord, I had a whole lot of this stuff in my head. I hope what came out of my mouth was exactly what you wanted today. But, Lord, I believe that with you all things are possible. I believe that with little things we can offend as much as in big things. Jesus was concerned about offending somebody over 35 cents. But, Lord, I ask that you help us to have that same meek spirit as we deal with the lost world. Father, I ask that you direct our thoughts and help us to be faithful in all things. Help us not to be afraid. Lord, we want Christ to alleviate our fears. We don't want psychology. We don't want all kinds of other things. We need Christ to alleviate our fears. We need Christ to touch us. And help us live in that presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to believe as we exercise our faith that all things are possible. And, Lord, I believe that whatever your people need is right in the palm of your hand. And nothing is too hard for you. We love you, Lord. And we believe that nothing is impossible with you. In Jesus' name, amen.